Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Method Man to talk all about his latest film, On the Come Up. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about what the preparation process looked for you, looked like for you on this film, because I feel like every time you talk about acting roles, you always talk about how that's such an important facet for you, not only in terms of developing the character for yourself, but also for your fellow castmates and, and even for the crew, just to keep the day moving and make sure everything's on point once you're on set. And so for this particular character in this film, I was really interested in a little bit of what that looked like for you in terms of the homework that you wanted to make sure you'd shown up doing. I didn't have to do much really um, because I'm so familiar with the business side of it, but I did watch uh, the bad boy documentary that they recently had on. And I also watched the, uh, what was, uh, well, this, well, really it was more or less like a prior bad boy, um, not the one that they had on Netflix, the recent one with Puffy. It was uh, something I've seen before that. And I was just watching how Puff, you know, at, uh, how when he started out, you can see the energy that he had. And, you know, he had everybody's best interests at heart as far as his artists, because if they did good, he did better. Um, but you see Puffy later on in his career and you wonder like, um, where is he at with it now? Or you, you hear a lot of dissatisfaction from the artists that were under his label. And I don't know where the descent happened at, but I just know the Puffy that I know still works the same way he always did. He wants everybody to do well. You know what I mean? Um, so I took, pieces of that, meaning like his honesty, the honesty of Puff Daddy. Now the drive, that's Dame Dash. Dame doesn't stop. He's constantly going. And what, what Dame does pretty well is he's a marketing genius. He can market whatever, whenever you give him toilet paper, he'll make it shine. It, it'd be like the best toilet paper you've ever had in your life. And um, then all the other managers slash producers that I've encountered over the years. And one thing that I learned about it was, regardless to how many dissatisfied artists came up underneath these guys, they didn't give them a fish, they taught them how to fish. Because once you're in the door, there's so many different avenues you can take. All you need is just that one person to open it. And um, with Supreme, I just wanted him to be all of that but super honest as well. Not when he's telling Brie these, these things or what she needs to do to be successful, he's being honest. And in his eyes, in his world, this stuff works. And he has an eye for, let's just say her primal instincts. Uh, he plays off of her anger. I mean, he even when he's sitting, when she starts the battle in the parking lot, because she can't get in the club because of something on Pooh did prior. His wheels are turning. He's like, okay, wow. This girl goes, I mean, when she blacks out, that's the kind of vibe that I need right there. I see her father all in her. Um, even in the studio, when he approaches her and tells her, look, this is your audience out there. And what did you see out there? It wasn't suburban white kids. It was gangsters. People that'll kill you, you know? And, uh, him again, playing off those instincts and he got the results that he needed. And what was the results of that? She had a hit record, 
people were singing her record, regardless to what it represented, people were singing that song. That's all Supreme wanted because when she does when she does well, he does better. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. Yeah. And you're mentioning there, like the way in which he's watching her and he sees her perform and the wheels just immediately turning. And yeah. he he knows and he recognizes that raw talent in her and that that prospective career that she can have the instant that he sees her. But I thought what was so interesting about so many of those scenes when you're at the side of the ring like that, and then later on when it's her but um versus little Yadi's character that he yeah. manages as well, is that there's so many instances of the camera having these real close-ups on you and watching the internal dialogue but you don't have any lines in any of those scenes uh, and so how did you approach going into scenes like that and really just trying to make sure that you were giving us so much of the character well I wanted Brie to make me root for her I know I was against her but I I, I still was rooting for her regardless to how we fell out of, or anything that happened this was the final test I mean me putting her on the radio with uh Mike Epps character was a test in itself okay let's see how she handles pressure and it blew up in my face. It literally blew up in my face. So in that moment where it's her in the ring with Yachty, yeah, I want Yachty to take her head off, but I'm rooting for it at the same time. Does that make sense? And, and when it actually happens, if you're reading my face, this is, this is a man that's, you know, he's hurt. He's hurt, you know? Um, but in that moment, watching her triumph, he forgets that, you know, this is a person that left him high and dry after he put so t- so much time and effort and didn't believe in his vision, but he sees her believe in herself, and that's a reflection of him. He loves every minute of it. There's also such a great detail in those scenes as well. Um, in the battle scene at the end, you know, going back to what you were saying about he's someone who really understands the business and really understands audience receptiveness and what they respond to and so during that entire battle he's constantly turning around and watching the crowd as well was that something that was in the script as a detail or was that something that you just had a sense of he would always be checking how they're coming back to this you have to read the room Mm -hmm. you have to read the room and that's basically what he was doing it wasn't in the script at all this was me knowing that setting and being in that vibe and like okay you know this is our audience right here okay they're going for it nice I've done my job, you know? You wanna see the results, you wanna be the fly on the wall. Even when your artist can't see it, you're gonna be their eyes. Say, oh, you killed it tonight. You didn't see the response. I was watching them, their faces were lit. They were hanging on every freaking word. And it's also, you know, those looks also made. Did y'all get that? Did you get that line just now? I hope y'all got that or I'm the smartest person in the room right now. That kind of thing. But those nuances helped. And I mean, we had a direct, I mean, with a director like Sanat, who is, um, you know, pretty much solidified herself as a very talented, you know, artist. Her eye is so good in this film. Uh, it, it saves it in a lot of places because you can honestly tell where the producer stepped in and things get cut. cut. And she worked with what she had, took Lemons Made Lemonade and, um, I kid you not, we did not have a lot of time to shoot those battle scenes. And for her to pull that off gives her an extra star. Seriously. I mean, even with with what you were saying just there about part of it for him is him, you know, solidifying that sense of himself of like, you know, I'm the one that knew 
I, I'm the smartest person in the room right now because you're justifying what I thought. There's a real confidence in him, but it's often not a cockiness. There's also a humility. You know, there's there's a thing where he talks about Bree's father and I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for him. And yeah. there's that essence of who he was when he came into the music industry as a teenager, still being a part of what drives him as well. And so how did you want to create him in a way that he allowed himself to feel very confident in himself because he is very good at knowing and understanding the industry, but still having those elements of humility? He feels responsible in the sense of what happened to a father, but he doesn't feel like, you know, we did a bad thing. No, that's just a consequence of the streets. That could have happened to anybody, but does he feel bad about it? Absolutely. I mean, they came up together, you know, he pretty much piggybacked off of law and built his own career out of it. Like any real boss should. And when he sees his daughter, not really a second chance, but a, but a, but a chance for redemption. Like uh, I, what I couldn't do with her father, I know I can do with her. And not only that, she's a little bit more aware of what's going on. And the young mind is very impressionable. So it may be a bit easier for me to mold her into what I know she could be or what I want her to be, if she's willing to follow my lead. You know, I know what they, my history is with her family and having such a great character like Aunt Pooh, you know. <clears throat> but Aunt Pooh is kind of like Russell Simmons was in Crush Group. You might want to watch that compared to what uh, Khaled is now. You know, it's, it's, it's like, do you want to go over here with Khaled? Guaranteed that you're going, you know, or do you want to just stay over here and and build from the bottom with the family up. Both and both um, sides are great choices, either way you do it. I mean, who wouldn't want to build a, a legacy with their family from the ground up? It gives you more validity. But who wouldn't want to take the fast lane, especially when you're living in poverty? And Supreme comes from that poverty as well. So he knows exactly what to say and how to say it to someone like Bree, who is in that situation now. I mean, who has someone come to their house like that? That was a that was a flex, pretty much. I want to bring her in an environment that I can control and give her my agenda. And it'll hit more, she'll feel more obligated because of, you know, I welcomed her into my home. It's hard to say no to someone, especially when they're being so gracious and welcoming to you, you know? But I mean, the wolf was welcoming to the sheep as well. And not saying he's a wolf, because in my opinion, there is no bad guy in this movie at all. I mean, if you try and name one, you think about it, maybe the crowns, but what they were doing was what any street gang would do when they're disrespected. You have to retaliate or you're seen as weak and then you're not a gang anymore. You're a bunch of F boys, you know? But there are no real villains and Sinai, makes you feel like you're in the room when all of this stuff is happening. And I think that is a, a tribute to her work and her preparation before we even started. She knew what she wanted and I'm glad that we uh, were able to translate that. And that, that point of this character having the complexity to not just be the villainous guy that tries to turn her into something that she is not in the industry is 
is part of the complexity. And, and it's, it's really interesting to watch the different dynamics that he has with his different artists, you know, with Brie, there's everything tied to her family and tied to his relationship with her father. And so there is a bit of a paternal aspect. Like he's not saying you have to do these things. He's like, I'm going to tell you what it is and you're going to make your own choices. And then there's also the dynamic of, of what it means to manage his own son. And then you've got little Yadi. So we get to see these three very different dynamics. And so how did you going into the film and, and looking at those relationships want to make sure that each of them represented or or allowed us to see slightly different sides of him i know what i i know how i would want to be treated in that situation so that's how i felt about brie yeah bring your friends you know uh yeah i'm, I'm gonna put you in rooms with people that are very influential oh meet one of my artists i mean if you look at it through that lens you see the play you see what it is are his intentions good absolutely his intentions are are, are good um, the tactics, a little shady, but in this business, you have to be. And if she, she would look at years from now, she would look at these situations in hindsight and learn from them and maybe become a producer or manager herself and not necessarily use these tactics, but know what the instincts are, know how to read the room, things of that nature. But he's grooming her. He's showing her all this stuff, putting her in a position to when but it has to be by his rules i also really appreciate the fact that you know obviously angie thomas wrote the book a few years ago yeah. but then it's also bit it also feels very present in terms of the way it's reflective of the music industry like the references of you know new up-and-coming artists using soundcloud as, as a place to really push their music out to the fans directly um yeah. and that being kind of where they find the groundwork of their audience and so for you in particular coming from a background in the music industry for your and for your character also going through that trajectory of be, working in a very different industry to the one that he started in as a teenager what were some of the things that you really appreciated being reflected and represented in this film um the battle rap definitely because that's where it really all started at for me um we used to battle on the block all of the time um i love the fact that it's it's kind of without really saying it an homage to female mcs you know it's a lot of um a lot of, uh, I don't know, because I mean, when when you come from a world of music, everything is a blur because everything moves so fast. So when you slow it down and put it on film, it doesn't always translate that way. Um, but for me, just watching Jamila work every day and getting her cadence right and, you know, the whole set felt like hip hop. So the atmosphere was right. Um, I, I forgot what the question was, though. I'm, I'm going into a whole different spiel over here. What was the question again? The basis it was of the question? really about, you know, the, the way that the film reflects the industry having been a certain way and then a lot of the trajectories and shifts and change and being very pre present day, what you appreciated about the way that it represented that. Yeah, um, I, I um, really thought that a lot of these uh, hip hop stereotypes have played in the summer. The SoundCloud rapper, uh, the one hit wonder thing, you know, you only hide as your last single kind of thing. Um, even when Brie battles uh, Lady London and or Mystique in the parking lot, you know, she was a prototype of what the female MCs look like today, but it wasn't a, uh, a great representation until the end of the battle when uh, 
she gives Bree Dap. It was like no hard feelings. That is part of the culture. I love that Sanaa put that in there because a lot of times um, we come off as aggressive with these bars and even in battle rap, they get very aggressive with each other. But what we don't see, because when the battle's over, you know, the cameras go off, you think these two guys hate each other, but now they get a beer after that or they go smoke a blunt or something after that. So it was nice to see that camaraderie between two female MCs. And this, it's, it's a lot of that going around, but not enough of it, especially in present time. Um, you see a lot of um, hate in the female MC arena. And the majority of it be coming from fellas. And it's really weird. It's so interesting that two people from the same, basically, backgrounds hate the fact that, that one of them made it and this one made it. I don't know what it is. It's just the fact that you, you, you can't, you got to remember where it came from. And the hard work that you put in to get it and not even comparing yourself to anyone that's more established. I've seen a DJ say that the forefathers of hip hop, the people that came before all this other stuff happened, look dusty or they're broke, which may be true. Um, business was ran a little back, different back then. Hip hop wasn't in the forefront, but you gotta understand, these men crawled through they crawled so you can walk and they didn't just crawl, they crawled through glass, piss, poop, just the, the underbelly of inner cities to bring this music to the forefront so you can sit there in your multi-million dollar mansion and, 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 and have opinions and, and speak freely and sell millions of records. And the first hip hop, the first successful hip hop tour was Run DMC, went out on tour and had the first successful hip hop tour, if I'm correct. And there wasn't an incident of violence. Imagine if there would have had one incident, just one incident of violence. Nobody would have a hip hop tour. They wouldn't even fund them. They wouldn't insure them. Nothing. Jay come along, Hard Knock Life tour. I don't think there would have been a Hard Knock Life tour without the Fresh Fest. Seriously. And we're talking all hip hop. I'm not talking about shows where it's even with Loud, um, Rolling Loud and Coachella, you get a bunch of acts, different artists, and it's not hip hop though. You got just hip hop on the Fresh Fest, just hip hop, Hard Knock Life Tour, Up in Smoke. And it's because those people that did that Fresh Fest tour did what they were supposed to do to make sure everybody could eat later on. And yes, they may be broke now, some of them, but you can't take away what they contributed to this game, period. I'll just leave it there. Absolutely. I mean, also going back to something that you were saying before in, in terms of Supreme as a character and how with Bree, you know, he knows all the right things to say. He's also someone with a lot of adaptability. He knows how to walk into any room or any situation at this point, you know, and he even calls himself out on it. He's like, you know, why do you think I'm wearing this suit? I'm wearing shoes that cost more than my mom used to make in a year. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's wearing his sunglasses, even when he's indoors in a dark studio. And so it really means something when he lifts them up. Um, how did you kind of see the different versions of, of who he knows how to be in different settings within the industry? Well, Supreme is like anyone that comes from a hood environment. You have to know your surroundings. You have to be able to read the room or you can lose your life. Um, for him, 
I mean, you, I mean, yes, you're right. He did. He does adapt. He does adapt to his surroundings pretty fast, but he would never take his artists and put them in a situation where their safety was at stake or they would be in a situation that he couldn't get them out of. I mean, like I said, it's all bravado. Supreme knows these guys or he knows these streets or he's connected in a way that people have no idea that he can walk in certain areas with his suit on and still be respected. And he can go from the trap house to office building and not miss a step. And he doesn't have to code switch because money talk and BS walks every time, you know? I wouldn't, he, he's the type of guy that knows that he wouldn't be able to walk inside a corporate office if he wasn't who he was or if he didn't do the work that got him there in the first place. You know, he's not coming in there asking Kenny, he's invited. He's that kind of guy. And in talking about Sanaza as a director a little bit more, and like you said, you know, especially with those battle scenes, there really wasn't very much time. And so it's imperative to have someone like her who just comes in with such a specific idea of a vision of what the scene's going to be, how she's going to film it, because there's so many logistical elements, um, you know, and you're working on the juxtaposition of larger scenes like that, and then really intimate moments in terms of his dynamic with Brie along the way as well. What are, what are some of the ways in which Sanaa really helped you to find your character or kind of guide your performance in certain moments where that was really invaluable for her to know exactly what she wanted and what the vision was? She had to remind me a couple of times that you're speaking to a little girl. You're not talking to a grown woman, you're speaking to a little girl. It's a little bit of a softer hand. And I had to be reminded, I mean, uh, I'm a dad, of course, um, you know, and, uh, but you know, with, with the dad, he's a bit more stern. And sometimes the mom has to step in after, you know, he berates the child and, and the child is crying and saying, the mom, your dad loves you, you know, that he's just doing what's better, that kind of thing. So Sanai would dial me back sometimes and, uh, it got to a point where she she didn't have to tell me anymore because me and Jamila started to click and it became supreme to him. She when he tells Miles that she's family, he really means that. It's like now she she's part of our our inner circle. We're bringing her in, and you should treat her the same way that I do. He kind of feels like he's going to take over the father figure role in her life. He knows about her life. She has a mom and she has her Aunt Pooh, but there's no real male figure there, even though Aunt Pooh is a symbolic male figure in her life. And, that, and that's kind of crazy too, because it's like two fathers fighting over one child that has, ex, that has talent. There's a stepdad and then there's the, the real dad who wasn't there to raise her, but he's ready to step up and, and show her how to fish, you know what I mean? As opposed to giving her a fish. Um, and does he care about her? Yes, he definitely cares about her. Because one, she reminds him of past, you know, a friend from his past that uh, he feels like he uh, fell short with. And two, she can make money. This is a female MC that's deep, that comes from a lineage of someone that was well-respected. Who wouldn't want that on their team? That's like getting a first round draft pick on your basketball team. It's like you're expecting numbers. So he sees the bigger picture. He has to see the bigger picture or else he would not be supreme. 
I also did want to ask you a little bit about your your trajectory into becoming an actor because I mean you've amassed such an incredible amount of fantastic performances at this point in your career um but going back to when you first were making that transition you've been very open about you know it it is a very different nuance to going out in front of tens of thousands of people on stage you know it's it suddenly kind of like making everything a little bit smaller and really focusing on the minutia and the intimacy of the camera as opposed to the large emotion of, of being on stage and you know it was something where you were going out to multiple auditions every single day sleeping on your manager's couch studying the craft and taking acting classes as well mm-hmm. and so what did what did that journey look like for you at that time in really just taking what you had as a performer and as a storyteller and as an artist and really just finding the way to to kind of like flow it a little bit differently for what the camera needed on screen instead. Things started to slow down for me because I had time to think now. It wasn't constantly here, there, there, plane flight, tour, rap here, song here. It was time. I actually started reading and doing uh, fitness and going to acting classes. And what that did, uh, it's funny because I never really watched people. I always felt like I was being watched. And as soon as I started my classes, I became way more observant and just people in their everyday lives. Because when you're a performer, you're you, in your performance, you always have this, this itch to please, to go a, a, a little bit further and further to, to keep that, that roar up. Whereas with acting, it's, it's cool to go for it sometimes, but less is more sometimes where you, you got to pull it back. And that's where Sanaa was great because she basically read my room and, and said, okay, I got, I, I, if you did it this way, it would come. And, and I take all that advice and, and stride. Uh, I, the same way I would shoot a music video and I would ask them like, what lens are y'all using on that? Why don't I do that when they're shooting a film? No, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Like, which angle is the camera going to be at? Okay, so, uh, yeah, I got that. So the emotion should be direct. Yes, uh, okay, I, I get that. I get that part of it. And and just the prep, it, it it's, when I said it slows everything down, you, you really get into the beauty of the word. You really get into the emotions that that are coming off of this uh, this paper. And then when you're placed in the environment, if it feels the same way, you know you're doing something right. If it feels wrong, go back to your tools, work on it. Maybe your objective is wrong. Maybe your scene objective is wrong or your overall objective. Maybe you got to go back and do that. But that's the part of the work that I like because it's like the epiphany happens. And it's like, oh, my God, I get it now. And with, with a director like Sanaa, she kind of gives you a shortcut there. And I love it. I love it. I, I really it. love that description and it's it's such a fantastic character that you've encapsulated in the film and so I love the collaboration between you and Sanaa on mm-hmm. everything with the film congratulations with it and thank you so much for talking about it appreciate your time today absolutely thank you so much <laughs>